few weeks ago, we, we celebrated Easter. The banners are still hanging in the sanctuary proclaiming that Christ is, is risen from the dead. Uh, you know, as a kid, Easter, I loved Easter for a variety of reasons. But as a pastor, I, I, I love it even more. It's a lot of work. It's a tiring week. But I, I love it because the realities of what we celebrate have really sunk into my life. And I've seen the implications of those realities in the lives of the people around me. At Easter, we celebrate Christ's victory over Satan, sin, and death. At Easter, we celebrate the, the promise of life to come for all who follow Jesus Christ. At Easter, we celebrate the reality that in Christ we can be changed and transformed and we can have the abundant life that Christ said he came to give. But we're two weeks away from Easter. And in some ways, it feels like a long time ago to me. We're two weeks past Easter. And now what? That's what Jesus' disciples might have been thinking and feeling. Uh, Easter came. Jesus uh, appeared. He, he presented himself to them. They, they shared some food. They, they touched him. They, they knew he was real. They knew it was true. And in Acts chapter 1, verse 3, we're told that Jesus appears to the disciples after Easter over a period of 40 days. Uh, appears to them, talks to them, teaches them. And no doubt, as we can see, he was preparing them for the time when he would ascend back to heaven and send his spirit and leave them on earth without his physical bodily presence. And they must have been thinking, okay, what's going to happen? Now what? Jesus anticipates their, their question and he answers it through the verses that were just read by Stephanie. In what's known as the Great Commission in Matthew 28, Jesus gives the disciples and us as well marching orders. Post-Easter, this is what I want you to do. Go into all the world, make disciples, baptize people in my name, teach them everything I've done, teach them to be obedient, to follow me, and go to all the world. And, I'll, and by the way, I'm going to be with you all the time to the very end of the age. And in the passage in Acts 1, it says, You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. That's kind of like our Salina. In all Judea and Samaria, so maybe Kansas and the U.S., and to the ends of the earth, he says, not just to the end of your street, not to the extent of your zip code, be my witnesses to the very ends of the earth. So the, the sense of mission of, of, uh, that we're called to, this, this, this uh, commitment to mission, to, to go and to represent Christ, it's central to what it means to be a believer in Jesus Christ. And I believe we've been blessed. It's been central to what it means to be a part of our church for the past 140 years. This, this month, actually, it's 140 years. Our church was started. In the very beginning, mission was a part of who we were. The, actually, part of the title of the church was Mission Friends. We were united in community. We we're friends together, brothers and sisters in Christ, and we're committed to mission, to go into all the world and to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. As Wes mentioned, this is global emphasis for the next few weeks. And certainly we have an emphasis upon local mission as well. If you know anything about our, our church and our budget and things like that, we're committed to partnering with a lot of ministries here in Salina through our resources and our, and our volunteer hours and so on and so forth. And we've talked about that some in the past, but we want to focus on the next few weeks. What does it mean to be a part of, of God's global mission? And particularly, what does it mean for us as individuals and also as a church family? So we've been mission-minded from the start, I believe, and there's a wonderful legacy, and we want to continue to be mission-minded. 
But any group, any institution or business or venture or church, there's always a challenge, particularly after you've been in existence for a while. The challenge is that after many years of being mission-minded or vision-minded, it can be a danger to become more maintenance-minded. I mean, mission-mindedness is, is a mindset, and the mindset can shift or, or change. And when this happens, you turn the mission of the church into the maintenance of the activities of the church. Now, so when you're maintenance-minded, let's describe what it might look like. The upkeep of the church distracts you from the advance of the kingdom. Worship becomes a, a weekly buzz rather than a catalyst for mission. Prayers become flabby and self-focused rather than kingdom-focused. Discipleship becomes a sanctified version of self-help rather than recruitment and training to serve the front lines and go deeper in Christ and further in mission. The Bible becomes a, a stimulus for self-exploration rather than a summons to join in God's global call. And when an individual or a church becomes maintenance-minded, God himself becomes a benign means of a self-fulfillment rather than a conquering king who summons us to, to join him in his service. So what must we do as a church and individuals to stay mission-minded, to continue to build upon the legacy that we stand upon, to continue to do the good work that God has called us to do and that, that is being done through so many of you and your generosity and your time and, and your talents? What can we do to avoid slipping into maintenance mode? We must continually root our lives in the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's where we start. That's what we're about. That's what it means to be a believer in Christ is to to understand the gospel and to respond to that and make the center of your life the gospel of Jesus Christ. To constantly keep before us the mission of Jesus' son, of, of Jesus the son. Listen to Jesus' words from John 20, sort of John's own version of the Great Commission. He says, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. So it's like a, a baton handoff. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. So in Matthew's gospel, we hear the Lord say, go make disciples. In John's gospel, we say, I'm sending you. So this key to being mission-minded is an urgent sense of, of sending and being sent. So what would that look like? Well, it would mean that we are committed or would be committed to accomplish the Great Commission. Near the end of his earthly ministry, Jesus told his followers about the signs of, the, of, the coming, of his coming again. He said there would be wars and rumors of wars. He said the, war, the world would be in upheaval. He said there would be persecution and apostasy and false prophets running rampant. He said the church would, itself would be in upheaval. But then Jesus concluded his remarks about the time before he returns by saying this. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. So central to the, the universal mission of the church is, is this idea that Jesus says gospel proclamation to all nations, to all peoples, is what will mark the end of the age. Now, what we must understand is this verse or any others in the Bible, it talks about nations. It's not necessarily talking about nations in the sense that we think of. We think of, you know, China or Mexico or Brazil or Indonesia or whatever. And yes, we're called to go to those places. But what, what the Bible is talking about is, is people groups, you know, groups of people who are defined by a common culture, uh, by a common ethnicity or language. 
And so while there are just under 200 nations, nation states in our world today, depending on how you define it, there's anywhere from 7,000 to 27,000 different people groups in our world. For example, we think of India as one big monolithic nation, but there's actually 450 different ethno-linguistic people groups in India alone. And of all these people groups in the world, estimates are, are about half of these groups are unreached. In other words, there's no viable, indigenous, sustainable witness to the gospel and the saving good news of Jesus Christ. So there's a lot of work to be done to follow Jesus' commission to go into the world and to share his good news. And as the church of Jesus Christ, we have a responsibility and an opportunity and a privilege of sharing him with all people. I mean, listen to what Paul says about, about this issue. In Romans 15, he says, From Jerusalem and all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. That's a big area geographically back in the day. And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. So when we are mission-minded as individuals and as a church, as a group of people, we, we are to have that attitude to think like the Apostle Paul. Where can we go? Where can we send? Where can we support where the good news of Christ has not yet been heard and received? Secondly, what does it look like to be mission-minded? It means that we are committed to partner with and resource our brothers and sisters across this globe. This is important because Christianity is on the move. When you look at the statistics and the demographics, Christianity is moving south. From a global perspective, Christianity's center of gravity is shifting away from Europe and North America to South America, to Asia, and to Africa. Listen to some of these statistics. Between 1900 and 2000, the number of Christians in Africa grew from 10 million to over 360 million, from 10% of the population to 46%. Today, the most vibrant centers of Christian growth are still in Africa, but also the Pacific Rim. Already today, Africans and Asians represent some 30% of all Christians worldwide. And that proportion is going to do nothing but grow. Just one example, China, a nation of, of incredible importance in the coming decades in a variety of levels. They estimate around 16,000 plus Christians every day come to Christ. And they project that by 2050, China will have the second largest population of Christians on the planet. And the last statistic I want to share with you is it's, it's interesting because we, we look around and we see people like ourselves. We think that's you know, what it means to be Christian. But by 2050, about 20% or less of the world's population of Christians will be non-Hispanic whites. The rest will be people of color. So the body of Christ has experienced a profound transformation. And, and the ramifications and the opportunities for, for us are enormous. I mean, there are, there are great needs and opportunities for us to, to resource, to partner with our finances, our, our training, our education, our, our, our discipleship resources, Bible study translation, and so on and so forth, so forth. We've been blessed immensely, and we are blessed to be a blessing to others. 
to resource and partner with the body of Christ. And as you begin to take all this in, it can be overwhelming when you think about the needs in Indonesia and, and Ecuador and Congo and India and Morocco and Sudan and so on and so forth. But Jesus was exposed to tremendous needs when he walked this earth. And what was his response? He met needs, physical, emotional, and spiritual. He demonstrated love. He was generous. And he told his followers to pray. Which sometimes we think, well, that's how practical is that? But listen to what he said in Matthew 9. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers, the workers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So what does it look like to be mission-minded? We are to earnestly pray for those who do not yet know Christ and to pray for those who will go as witnesses. We pray because there's a real need. There's a shortage of, of, of people to go. Consider that in Africa there are 80 Christian missionaries per 1 million people in Africa. In Asia, 9 per 1 million. In the Middle East, 7 per one million. So the need is great. The workers are few. But don't miss the second incentive to pray. Jesus says, pray to the Lord of the harvest because of the amazing opportunity. There are literally millions of people who have not heard of Christ, but who will respond in faith and belief and be saved. So Jesus says, pray for those folks. Pray for those individuals, people you don't know, people you haven't met, but people on the other side of the world who we have in common the likeness of God, our creator. And we're loved equally by Jesus. So you might be saying, okay, what can I do practically? Well, I'm going to give you three things real quickly. One, obviously, is to pray. Wes mentioned the prayer calendars. It's a great way to get to know the missionaries in our church who are supporting, there's a big global uh, map in the hallway across from the kitchen. You can look on the map and see exactly where they are. You know, uh, pray for them. Encourage them. You can support. Uh, you can continue to give towards missions, of course, but along with your resources and your prayers, um, send them notes of encouragement or emails that, that support them. Think of, remember them on a birthday or, or an anniversary. When they come back and they're here with us for a while, get to know them. Go to their presentations. Um, invite them to your life group or your home. And, and finally, I encourage you to consider. Consider going. I, I've got to think in a, a church our size on a Sunday morning that, that God has in mind for a few of us at least to do more than support and pray here. I've got to believe that there are folks within our congregation that God is calling to, to go, to be a worker, to go overseas. This church has a long history of that. There are several young people in, in the pipeline now. But I've got to believe that there are more. Somebody who's got the gifts and the callings, the opportunities, the resources, the education, the experience to go. And if that's something that you've considered, contact one of us on staff. We'd be glad to talk with you about that, uh, to help you process that. 
Uh, if you want to try things out, we, we have people who go for a summer or, or a year. We have short-term mission trips that are for a week to ten days. You'll hear about one next week. But consider, ask God, do you want me to go? Ask that. See what God might say. I want to conclude with a, a passage from Revelation 5 where we get this vision uh, of, of, of what, what God intends for the people of the world, for what he's doing and will do. And these this words describe uh, what Jesus has done. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain. And by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and every tongue and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. So let's, let's continue to build on this legacy. To be a part of fulfilling God's great commission. To be part of his vision for the people he has created. Let's pray and let's support. And yes, let's even go. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for the call upon our lives. We thank you that at some point way back in our ancestry, that there were people who came to our people and shared the good news of Jesus Christ. And because of that, our trajectory has been changed for eternity. Lord, we pray today for the people around the world who do not yet know you. I pray, Lord, that your spirit would be at work in their hearts and minds. And I pray, Lord, that you would bring people into the world who will witness to your son, Jesus Christ. God, I pray as well for for us. Help us to build upon the legacy that so many have laid be, who have set before us. Uh, help us, Lord, to be mission-minded as individuals and as a church to pray faithfully, to continue to support, support in many ways, um, and, Lord, to, to consider going. We thank you, Father, for what you've done for us through Jesus. May your kingdom continue to grow and reflect the diversity and beauty of the people of this world. Through Christ we ask this. Amen. Thank you.